My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, throughout the history of the Christian Church, the Virgin Mary has held a special place amongst all the women of the Bible. Throughout the history of the Christian Church, the Virgin Mary has also held a special place in the hearts of, of the, the followers of Christ. In her song of praise, the Magnificat, Mary recognized the unique privilege that she had been given. She recognized the honor that people would show her in the generations to come. She's saying in her Magnificats, all generations will call me blessed. And we do. Because as you look through the history of the world, there is only one woman in the history of the world who bears the Son of God. There is only one woman in the history of the world around whom the Christmas story revolves. And this morning we have the unique privilege of going back to where the Christmas story begins, going back to that that day that the angel appeared to Mary and announced to Mary that she was going to be the God-bearer, that she was going to carry the Son of God and our Savior. And, and sometimes, as Lutherans, this is hard for us to talk about because we're talking about Mary. And yet, as we look at Mary today, and as we consider what Mary did, we also have an opportunity to see how Mary serves as, as a teacher for us. She, she teaches us, through her example, what God's grace looks like. And she teaches us how we follow after God with a pious faith. Well, as we begin, we need to place ourselves back where Mary was. You know that Mary was betrothed to be married to Joseph. You know that Mary was a normal maiden who was going through her day like normal maidens do. And you know on this particular day, it was a normal day in Nazareth. And so everything's normal. Mary's having a regular day. She's doing whatever young maidens in Nazareth do. And all of a sudden, an angel appears. And all of a sudden, the angel greets her and says to her, Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And as Gabriel appears and starts to speak to Mary, you can imagine what is going through her mind. Because anytime anyone in Scripture is confronted by an angel or met by an angel, they are afraid. They're standing where an angel, or standing in the presence of an angel that wasn't there a moment before. And then to add to that, the angel says to Mary, you are, are highly favored. And Mary's a little nervous. She's, she's a little scared. And Gabriel knows what happens when humans come into contact with angels. And so Gabriel jumps right in and says, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. 
And so now it's twice in two sentences that Mary has been called favored by God. And so it's there that we have to pause for a moment. What exactly is meant as Gabriel says that Mary is favored? And for all of those centuries that the Christian church has honored Mary and recognized that Mary has a special place in the salvation history of the world, they have also struggled to answer that question, what does it mean that Mary is highly favored by God? And as you go through history, you can find countless people who have tried to find the reason for that in Mary herself. There has to be something in Mary that proves that she is worthy of this highest honor that God is bestowing on her. And so some people will, will sit there and say, well, perhaps it's her piety. And some people will look at her and maybe there's some sort of special grace that she has that God saw and, and, and God is, is recognizing in her. Some people will look at Mary and say, maybe Mary is that, that perfect woman, the, the woman that we are all to model and imitate. The thing is, it doesn't matter how hard you look. There is nothing in Mary herself that makes her more highly favored than anyone else. Because everything that people point to about Mary is an example of God's grace that has been poured out on her. And so some people might point and say, well, look, Mary is the of the house and line of, of David. That's why she's chosen. And yet God in his grace placed Mary as a descendant of David in that time and in that place. And then God chose her to serve as the mother of that promised descendant of David that we heard about in our first lesson. And then some people might point to the piety of Mary, but the faith of Mary is, again, an example of God's grace. That God sent his Holy Spirit to give Mary a trust and a faith in her Lord who had promised to send a Savior into the world. Now, when we look at Mary, Mary who is highly favored by God, Mary is highly favored because God is pouring out on her his divine favor. God is choosing her out of all the women in the world to be the mother of the Savior. The Savior through whom grace and truth will come to the world. And so in Mary, God our Father teaches us what grace looks like. Mary hasn't done anything. And yet God in his grace chooses Mary to be the mother of Jesus. And God, in his grace, pours out his love on Mary in a way that he hasn't poured out his love on anyone else. And that's what God's grace looks like in our lives as well. Because there's a temptation in our life, as, as we go through our lives, to sit there and say, there's something in me that's, that has caused God to pour his grace out on me. And so there's a temptation to start to look, to, to see what 
that might be. And, and people point to different things, saying this is why God's favor has, has shined down on me. And yet when we look in our lives, we see only examples of God's grace being poured out on us, grace upon grace upon grace. And so sometimes people are tempted to look at the position that they have or the place that they are in this world, but, but what is that? That is God's grace putting you in this time and in this place and the position that you have because he decided that this is where you should be. And some people will point to their piety and say, this is why God gives favor to me. And, but, but, but what is our piety? But God sending his Holy Spirit to give us a, a living and enduring faith and trust in him and his promise to save us. And some people will point to the things that they do for God. And then this is why God shows favor to me. But, but what are those things but the use of the talents and the abilities that God in his grace has poured out on us. God shows us favor because God chooses to show us favor, not because there's something in us. Just as God calls Mary highly favored because he has chosen to make her the mother of our Savior. Now, Mary doesn't just serve as an example of what God's grace looks like as he pours his grace out on someone. She also demonstrates a living faith, an enduring faith in the words that God speaks to her. Consider the message that the angel gave for a moment. The angel gives quite a message to Mary. He's, Gabriel says, you will conceive and give birth to his son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And as you listen to this message, there are a number of statements in there that just seem incredulous. If you look at the angel's message, what do you see repeated? First, you, Mary, a virgin, are going to conceive and give birth to a son. And you, Mary, are going to be a virgin that fulfills a promise that was made by God 700 years ago. And your son is going to come as a fulfillment of a promise made to David a thousand years ago. And your son is going to sit on the throne of David, a throne that has been vacant for 400 years. And your son is going to be a king whose reign is never going to end. And your son is going to be the son of the living God. Now, if you just took one of these statements, one of these facts that the angel declares to Mary, just one of those is amazing enough. And yet, we counted six. And when you look at the six promises that God makes to Mary, the six ways that the prophecies that he made in the past are being fulfilled, we have to sit there and say we, we receive these with faith. A trust that what God says in his word will be accomplished. Because if we didn't have that trust and confidence in God's word and what he promises, everything that, that the angel said to Mary 
would appear to be utterly ridiculous. And yet Mary listens to the angel's message and listens to what the angel is promising her. And she simply responds by saying, how can this be since I am a virgin? And we can understand her question, can't we? We know exactly what kind of thoughts are going through her mind because to a degree we've been in the same place. Not the same promise, but we've been in the same place as her. As children of God, we have a firm commitment and confidence in the promises that God has made to us. And yet, how many times have we found ourselves in a situation where, where we've looked at the promises of God and we are confident that God will keep his promises, but then we're like, but I'm not quite sure how that's going to, 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 to be fulfilled in this case. Maybe we find ourselves in one of those predicaments where, where we know God is going to provide for us and we know God is going to give us what we need, and yet as we look at the situation we're in, we sit there and say, I know God's going to take care of me, but I don't see any way out of this situation that I found myself in. I don't see how God is going to take care of me. And we find ourselves in a place where, where we, we trust God's promises, but we're confused as to how God is going to fulfill that promise. Or maybe you found yourself standing at the graveside of someone you love and, and, and you find yourself, as you watch that body being lowered into the ground, wondering how is that body going to be raised again on the last day? And you know the promise that God has made to you. You, you find comfort in the promise that, that those who die will be raised in the resurrection on the last day, that you will see them again face to face, just as you see your Savior has been raised from the dead. And yet, there's still a question, how is God going to do this? How is God going to accomplish this, even as you go forward trusting the promise that he has made? That's, that's where Mary finds herself at this moment. She hears the promise of God. She believes the promise of God. And yet, she's confused as to how it's actually going to be fulfilled. And you notice what Gabriel does? as Mary asks that question, as she trusts that promise, even as she tries to figure out how it's, it's going to happen. Gabriel draws Mary's eyes back to the Most High. She draws Gabriel's eyes back to the Savior, or back to the Lord, who is able to do immeasurably more than Mary could possibly ask or imagine. And who is able to do that according to his power that dwells within her. Gabriel pulls Mary's eyes back to the assurance no word of God will ever fail. And in this case, in this particular case, the word of God will not fail because the power of the Most High will overshadow Mary. And Mary responds by saying, I am the Lord's servant. May your words to me be fulfilled. There are some amazing statements that are found in this section of Scripture. Some amazing promises that God makes. Some amazing ways that we see the prophecies of Scripture being fulfilled. And yet we dare not set aside this amazing statement by Mary. Mary believes the message that the angel gives her, 
And Mary submits to the will of the Lord and acknowledges that what the Lord wills will happen. She recognizes that the Lord will be with her as she carries out the, the, the parts that God has given her in his plan of salvation. And she responds to God's promise and she responds to God's grace by faithfully trusting in him and putting that trust into action. And so as you fix your eyes on the fulfillment of all the promises that God makes about your Savior through that Blessed Virgin Mary, you also see how God's grace and how God's power do not fail. God is going to do exactly what he says. He will fulfill his promises. He has the power to fulfill his promises. And he shows you his favor as he sends his son to be born of a virgin in Nazareth. And so as we begin our celebration of Christmas, and as we look to see how the Christmas story plays out, our eyes start by turning to Mary and rejoicing in the honor that God has given her. Mary is the mother of our Lord. And she is called blessed because God has chosen her to be the mother of our Lord. And so even though the church through the ages has recognized that, that Mary is, is worthy of honor because of the grace that God has poured out on her, we also look to Mary not as someone who is equal to Christ. We look to Mary as, as someone who wants us to use her as an example. Who, through quiet faithfulness, believes the promise that God makes to her. Trusts that promise and puts that trust into action. And so as we look at Mary, and we recognize the honor that God has bestowed on her. We also have an opportunity to see how that quiet faith is revealed in our own lives. As we not only give thanks for the Savior that comes through Mary, but as we give thanks for that word of God that does not fail. And as we trust that word that will not fail. And as we acknowledge that God's will is always accomplished at his time and in his way, as he pours his favor out on us. Amen.